Welcome to the Replant Podcast, providing biblical insight and encouragement to reclaim declining and dying churches for the glory of God and the good of our communities. Hey guys, welcome to the Replant Podcast. My name is Bob Bickford and I serve as the Associate Director of Replant and I'm joined by Mark Halleck, who's pastor of Calvary Church and the Calvary Family of Churches in Denver. Welcome, Mark. Hey, Bob. Thanks. Good to be here. So, Mark, one of the questions we always want to ask for those who live in Denver is what is your weather like right now? It's unbelievable. Always, man. Just blue sky, mountains. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to live in Denver, Colorado. It's just unbelievable. (laughs) Well, Denver is beautiful. Colorado is beautiful. And there are some churches, obviously, in Colorado. And for our listeners who may not live out west... Uh, tell us about the landscape of churches in Denver and uh, in your area. Yeah, we, uh, you know, it's an interesting place to be. We have got throughout Denver and out into the suburbs of Denver, um, several really healthy churches that are growing and multiplying, which is, which is awesome. Um, our city is one of the most lost. In fact, the, la- the latest statistic that I saw was we're the third least church city in North America behind Seattle and San Francisco, which is interesting, but we have many people in need of the gospel, many people in need of Jesus. And while we're thankful for, for the churches that are growing, we have many, many more that are plateaued or declining um, or just dying, just flat out shutting their doors uh, for the last time. So we've got churches, especially in what I call the donut area of Denver. Denver, we kind of have the inner city, which is uh, kind of increasingly kind of cool and hip and uh, growing. And we've got some great church plants in that area. And then we've got, you know, folks in the suburbs and some good churches there. And there is a great need for church revitalization and replanting and, uh, just congregations that need to be encouraged. So there's a lot of work for us to do here in Denver, but the Lord is moving and we're excited just to be part of it. So Mark, a lot of churches in Denver area, uh, a lot of people who live in other parts of the United States may not be familiar with the landscape of church out West. So give us a little picture of what it's like in Denver. Yeah, you know, Denver is an interesting place. We are a city uh, that is filled with many, many people who do not know Jesus. We have um, a handful of churches, praise God, that are growing and vibrant. Uh, but we have many more churches that are plateaued or declining, uh, even dying on a weekly basis out here. And so, um, you know, Denver is a cool place to be. And people come out here many times to escape, to go skiing or whatever. Uh, but the gospel is desperately needed. And we need churches that are proclaiming that gospel. We need more and more churches in the city, uh, in the suburbs, and even in the donut area of Denver. And when I say the donut, it's really the the in-between kind of population between those who live in the inner city of Denver, uh, where many churches are being planted, praise God, and the suburbs where we also have churches planted. But in the donut of Denver, um, there is a great need for churches that are declining to be revitalized, to be replanted. Um, it's a, it's an area where uh, our church is very passionate about taking the gospel. It's an ethnically diverse area. Um, and so the, the need is huge, uh, for, uh, healthy churches. And so there's a, there are great challenges ahead of us out here, but I'm, I'm so thankful that the Lord is, is moving. He's moving in power. We're seeing, uh, churches that were once on their way to closing their doors. 
are coming back to life and vibrancy and, and even to the point of, of planting churches themselves. So um, it's, a, it's a great place to be. I love it. I'm so thankful to live here. Uh, the Lord's on the move, but there is much work to do. And that's awesome. So a little bit of your story is you've been at Calvary, which is in Inglewood, and uh, you've been there how many years now? Yeah, so I've been here since 2009. So I've been here almost eight years now. And so it's a, your, your church is a replant, correct? Yeah, so when, when I came, uh, Calvary was like so many churches. It was um, a declining church, about 30 folks left um, here and, you know, sweet people, but just really tired and trying to figure out how to get this thing going again. And, and maybe if God was, maybe God was done with the church and, my wife and I really felt called to come and, and love these people and, and uh, you know, give it our best to see the Lord do something great for his glory in bringing these dry bones, you know, bring life back to it. And that was uh, almost eight years ago. And, and uh, now, by God's grace, the church is, is healthy. We've grown. We've been able to plant and replant several churches now throughout the Denver metro area and now into Nebraska even. And so it's just been so cool. It's so humbling to see the Lord uh, work um, in our church here at Calvary. So let's talk a little bit about that uh, aspect of it. There's a lot of churches that need to be replanted and God's doing a work in Colorado uh, out West. Uh, God is using your church, Calvary and a Calvary family of churches to do replanting. So there appears to be something happening that we might say is a movement. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And so what, what is it then that, um, you know, with a lot of talk about replanting right now, uh, some resources being produced, what is going to give shape to this movement as we look forward to into the future? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, one of the things that I think we need to be praying for regularly in our churches is a movement, a movement of God uh, that would see not just a handful of churches replanted and come back to life, but hundreds, even thousands of churches that right now uh, people look at and think there's no hope for those churches. Um, and, and God is is going, man, let's do this. Let's, let's, let's uh, watch me move in power. It's in your weakness that I am strong. And, and we need pastors and leaders and seminarians and congregations that are passionate about seeing God reveal himself and show himself off as he brings dying things back to life. That's the gospel. And so a movement, I believe, is what we're beginning to see. And I pray it's what we'll see in the years to come. And when we talk about a replanting movement, um, let me just kind of share some of the kind of priorities that, that I would just throw out there that need to be part of a replanting movement. Um, if we're going to see this happen, if God's going to be glorified, if the spirit's going to move in power, um, the first priority would be this, that as churches and church leaders, that first of all, we would pursue our joy in Jesus and that we would seek to make Jesus non-ignorable in North America and to the ends of the earth, that our greatest desire, our, our primary focus is not just getting more people in the building. It's about making Jesus famous, it's about spreading his fame, bringing glory to God, that we would be leaders and churches that love him, that love the gospel, uh, that love to see God glorified. And I believe when that is our focus, we will see the Holy Spirit move in power uh, as we always have throughout the history of the church. But that's where it begins is coming back to our first love, which is, which is Jesus. And then to joyfully submit ourselves to his word 
as as the the guiding and uh, authoritative um, voice in our replanting effort. So that'd be priority number one. Priority number two of a replanting movement, um, I would say, is that that we as again as churches and as leaders. Uh, would be willing to do whatever it takes uh, to make disciples who make disciples and to replant churches that replant churches. Um, you know, the, the time has come. I mean, it's game time. And um, this is not a time to play games about uh, <laughs> toward, um, you know, putting off another year or two or three. And then, you know, maybe we'll get serious about doing the things it takes to thrive and reach the lost in this culture. Um, we have many churches that are, are barely hanging on. And we have many healthy churches that have yet to really get a vision for helping those dying churches. And so uh, when we talk about doing whatever it takes, I mean, that's really what it means is we want to do whatever it takes in accordance with the word of God to trust the Lord, to take, uh, to take leaps of faith. If it's a dying congregation, a declining congregation, that they would humble themselves and be willing to do what it takes to see the gospel transform their communities. Let me ask um, real quick. If, so yeah. what, are, what are some of the things that congregations are hesitant to do? You know, that's a bold uh, statement. Hey, are you willing to do whatever it takes? And, and yeah. if that's not defined, uh, sometimes people will say yes to it, but have you found that there are things that, that uh, hinder people in, in terms of saying yes yeah. to that? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And when I let me say this too, when I say doing whatever it takes, I don't mean I'm not speaking in terms of pragmatics and doing whatever works. I'm saying we do whatever God calls us to do mm -hmm. and what Jesus tells us to do and what the word prescribes for us to do. And so uh, when I say this, I mean, I think what, what congregations have to honestly do at churches and pastors is to look at their hearts and say, is this the Lord's church? Mm. Or is this my church? Mm -hmm. <laughs> is the Lord, is he, is Jesus Christ truly the king, the leader, the authority over this church? Or do we say that we give that lip service, but in reality, uh, the pastor is or the deacons are whose church is this? And I think it's a lordship issue. When we understand that Jesus is king, he is Lord, this is his body, then we will submit ourselves or should joyfully to say, Lord, then, then we're willing to take risks. We're willing to put our comforts aside. We're willing to uh, put traditions aside if that's what needs to happen in order to see the spirit move in power to reach another generation with the gospel. And so um, it, it really becomes kind of a lordship issue. And that's what I'm getting at there when I say doing whatever, whatever it takes, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes great sense. So uh, we've talked about two priorities. What's the next one? Yeah. So priority number three, I would say of, of a movement of a replanting movement is a real commitment, a, a real, not just talking about it, but a real commitment on the part of churches and leaders uh, to practice what I would just call humble, radical cooperation for the sake of gospel advancement. So as Baptists, you know, we are a people who cooperate, at least in theory. And that's one of the things I love about our history is we are a cooperative people. And if there was ever a time in the history of our denomination, the history of the church, where we need to practice humble, radical cooperation, it is now. Um, and it's in this, uh, this movement of replanting congregations. Um, the reality is this, we won't see a movement if one or two churches try to do this on their own. Um, uh, we don't need two or three churches, we need a uh, 
quite honestly, hundreds upon hundreds, even thousands of churches that are willing to humbly link arms together with other bodies, other churches, associations, state conventions, NAM, all of us working together, seeking to make Jesus the hero, not any of us. <laughs> We're not the hero. Jesus is the hero. It's his church. And to radically cooperate in terms of uh, sharing of financial resources, sharing of, of people that we send out to help replant churches, um, the raising up of leaders together, whatever it might be, um, radical cooperation. I say humble because it takes humility. Cooperation takes humility and our pride and our uh, desire so often as churches to protect our own kingdoms interferes uh, oftentimes with this kind of movement that we're talking about. And then uh, the, the fourth priority, Bob, the final priority here would be this, that as churches and leaders, we are uh, must be committed to one another for the long haul. So it's not just that we're cooperating. We need to cooperate, but we must cooperate and be committed to one another for the long haul. Movements do not happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You look at any movement in the history of the world and the history of the church, it does not happen just overnight. It's, it's churches that, that pray together for the long haul, that support one another, encourage one another, that cooperate together for the long haul, um, where you begin to see real movement and real transformation. And, and that's my hope and prayer is that we'll see that, that we will see uh, churches in the Southern Baptist Convention and beyond the Southern Baptist Convention and other denominations that will be committed to each other for the sake of the gospel for the long haul. So there's a long haul vision. So those would be four priorities I would say are absolutely critical if we're going to see a true movement of replanting uh, in our country. Those are some strong uh, priorities and some really challenging ones for us to think about. Let me let me touch a little bit on one of the, the aspects of that fourth priority, this time of uh, long haul, long haul ministry. Mm. Is replanting a church, does that happen overnight? I mean, what are we looking at in terms of time frame and what do you mean by the long haul? Yeah, that's really good. I think we wish it happened overnight. I think there's a lot of a lot of guys who go into a church and maybe have a great vision and idea of what what's going to happen. But the reality is, uh, just like our our own growth in the Lord, you know, it's uh, our sanctification is. It's progressive. It's long haul. Uh, it takes time. And the same is true in the church. And so uh, when we talk about replanting in a healthy way, uh, replanting uh, takes leaders, very specifically leaders, pastors who have not only a visionary mindset, but a shepherd's heart that can journey and walk with with a congregation for uh, the long haul, because there's there's bumps in the road, there's mountaintops, there's valleys. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think we see, sadly, is are too many leaders, pastors, or even families who come into a church and leave very quickly when things get tough and things get hard. And so, um, again, if this is going to happen, if we're going to have pastors and leaders who are, who are sticking in this thing for the long haul, it's going to be an act of God because only the Holy Spirit can help us to endure, to persevere through real challenges and real hurt and pain that comes with replanting uh, that we might experience the great joys uh, that come with seeing God uh, bring a declining church back to life. Yeah. So one of the things I noticed about all those priorities, and, and you mentioned this a little bit, um, they, you're, you're talking about heart matters and spiritual matters. You're not talking about strategy or right. pragmatics or do this program right. or change this style or change the name. Right. So why do we have to start with the, 
the heart first when a lot of us might gravitate towards starting and changing things that would be easy to change fast. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good because I think, I think that's a very good point. I think when it comes to this conversation about replanting, even as I meet uh, different folks, what we want are, are quick solutions, right? What, tell me what to do. Give me five steps. Give me the latest idea. And while of course there are strategies uh, that are important, we can talk about it. Um, there's no strategy that's going to be effective. There's no program that's a magic bullet in any of this. Um, and, and which is why the Bible doesn't give us five steps to, to leading a church from death to life. Instead, what we see is a God who calls us to submit ourselves to him, to walk by faith and obedience with joy to his word, and by faith, trust that the Lord will bring a dying church back to life as we as we seek out to, to live out the ordinary means of what a biblical church is called to be. And I think that's so important because, you know, it's not cool. It's not trendy. You're not going to read a lot of books on things like prayer for your congregation, um, preaching the word of God faithfully, um, loving people really well, living on mission and serving those in your community. I mean, these are the basic ingredients that the Bible prescribes for us when it comes to replanting. And I would say this, all of those strategies simply flow out of a heart that loves God and loves people. Mm -hmm. And that's the bottom line. And if we miss that, we will miss the whole thing. There won't be any movement to talk about because what Jesus calls us to is to love the Lord, our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors ourself. And, and so at the heart of this is death is dying to self that we might love the Lord and love others. And, and so you're absolutely right. It is a, it is a heart issue first and foremost. Yeah. Sometimes movements we see uh, really take off and then somewhere along the line, they lose focus or they lose steam. Uh, they lose their momentum. What are the things that you would think we might need to guard against uh, that would mm -hmm. impact the replanting movement in a negative way? Yeah, that boy, that's a really good question. You know, as I think about that, um, it's so interesting that, you know, oftentimes in the church, we see trends pop up like church planting for many years has kind of become the cool thing. Right. Which is awesome. I, our church plants churches. I believe in church planting, um, but it can almost become trendy uh, if you're not careful. I think one of my fears for replanting, believe it or not, while that might sound crazy for some to think that it, that it would become a cool movement. Um, I'm, I'm beginning to even see that a little bit. And I think the, the, the danger with that is pride can creep in. We can we can forget that. Listen, I don't care how sharp of a leader you are, what methods you have. It's it's the Holy Spirit of God who supernaturally brings dying churches back to life. Uh, my fear is that in this movement, we could lose focus on trusting in the Lord and begin trusting in our methodology, on our strategies, all of which are fine and good, but they're secondary, if that makes sense. And sure. so hum humility is the word that uh, I think we need to hear and preach over and over and over to be on our faces before the Lord in prayer, dependence on the Lord. God, this is your church. Help us to be faithful because I think what we see again throughout history of any movement, um, whether you're talking theological institutions, churches, church planning movements, whatever, when, <clears throat> when the core of that movement moves from a God focus and a humility before the Lord to a pridefulness and a dependence on man's strategies, uh, 
the Holy Spirit is muted and, and uh, the life of that movement um, ends fairly quickly. And so uh, those would be some things I think we need to guard against. The other thing I would just say is this, Bob, is um, I think we can oftentimes try to make this more difficult than it is. <laughs> and what I mean is, I think the key to replanting is actually to keep it very simple and to do the, the things that, that God has called us to do. He hasn't called us to be the cool guy who, you know, can draw a thousand people you know, through his sermons um, or to have the hottest children's program. He's called us to be faithful where we are and to keep it simple and do the best we can for his glory, to love people well, uh, to preach the word with conviction and to bring glory to him. And I think, again, those simple means uh, when we move away from that is when we get in trouble. So we need to keep it simple. Right. You're just so you're advocating just for what might some might say is everyday normal faithfulness to what God has called pastors to do. Love people, serve Amen. them, preach the word, um, counsel, uh, Absolutely. share the gospel. And you, yes. And you know, what's so funny, Bob, is I was actually in a conversation with a guy from Kentucky yesterday, a young pastor who's thinking about uh, replanting a congregation. What I find is there's so many men who have been called to pastoral ministry and yet they've never been given the freedom and encouragement to just do the things that you just said. Mm. They feel they feel like they have to be the dynamic leader who can grow a church to 20,000 people or they have to be the most strategic programmer, whatever it is. And what I'm finding is it is such a free, freeing and joyful thing for a young man who feels called to be an ordinary pastor, a faithful pastor to hear that's exactly what God wants you to be. And that's actually what God uses to grow healthy churches. And so um, again, rewriting kind of the narrative of what is God looking for and pastors, um, boy, he's looking for humble servants who love the Lord, love people and love the word. And those are the kind of leaders we need to be raising up in our seminaries and in our churches to replant dying churches. I think in many ways, that's really encouraging because there are very few, what we might call, um, some have called celebrity pastors, the guys that can draw the big crowd, the guys that can lead mm. a giant organization. Most of the guys that are called to ministry that are coming out of seminary are those guys that, that are going to serve the normative size church and under 200 uh, size congregation. Yes, yes. So that's a, that's a good word. And that's encouraging. So it sounds like this movement is not a movement of superstars, but a movement of just kind of average yeah. Joes who love Jesus. Yes. Love people. <laughs> It, you know, we, it's funny around Calvary, we talk about, it's a movement of underdogs mm. and uh, that God loves to use underdogs. And that's what I'd, be, I'd even say to the, the pastor or leader who's listened to this podcast that, man, if you're an underdog, <clears throat> you're in the right spot because God loves to use underdogs. He always has, you see it all through scripture um, and he continues to. And so while I praise God, man, for those guys who are just off the charts, gifted and leading huge churches, I praise the Lord. We need them. Uh, this is in no way bashing large churches, but it is saying that for most of us, uh, we're kind of ordinary guys that the Lord has called to faithfully shepherd normative sized churches. And this movement 
uh, we'll see this movement happen when we have more of those types of pastors, more of those types of churches, because they're the majority of churches anyway, uh, that are seeking to be healthy and faithful and missional for the sake of the gospel. That's awesome. So as you kind of look out on the horizon and in Denver, it's always beautiful to look out on the horizon to see the front range. <laughs> always. But as you kind of look out in, in a couple of years, where do you see this movement of replanting going? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I, I think, let me, let me say this. I, there are things I pray for that I pray we'll see. I think we've got to get the ingredients right, but I think we're already beginning to see a movement um, of several things um, with this. And, and there's three that kind of stand out that uh, again, I, th I think we'll see, I think we're beginning to see, and I pray we'll see. One is the first is just this. I pray we'll see more men, desiring to lead replants, uh, that, that guys who are, are being raised up in our seminaries, uh, those who are, are serving in our churches, would the Lord would give them a vision for going to lead and pastor and shepherd uh, a declining congregation for his glory. I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see more and more uh, men who are, are sensing that call to replanting. A second thing, and this actually ties in very closely with the first one, is that we see more churches that are raising up replanters. I think this is absolutely critical. Um, it's one thing for a young man or, or older man to sense a call to lead a replant. It's another thing for a church to come alongside that, that individual and help develop them, raise them up, train them up, and then send them out so they can effectively replant a dying congregation. And what, what I often say is I'm so thankful for our seminaries, and they serve such a vital role in the growth and the maturity, especially theologically and biblically, of our pastors. But it's the local church, it always has been, um, that raises up um, pastors and leaders and, and specifically here replanters who can go out and, and, and help lead these dying churches. So I'm praying that we'll see as part of this movement, more churches. And I, and I mean a lot of normative sized churches that can help raise up replanters and send them out. And then the third, the third piece that, that I pray we'll see. And, and I think we're beginning to is more churches, healthy churches in particular that have a vision for replanting dying churches. Um, again, we, we talk a lot about how churches plant churches. Mm -hmm. Well, the reality is churches also replant churches. And so we need more congregations um, that, that have a burden to come alongside declining churches and to help replant them. And so um, I think those are three key pieces, practically what we need to see happen. And I'm, I'm excited about the movement. I, I'm excited about what NAM's doing, some of the resources that are coming out that hopefully can help um, just help in terms of uh, spurring these churches on, these individuals on in this direction um, to, to see more churches replanted. That's good. You mentioned resources. And one of the things that's been true for you guys is out of necessity, you've you've written uh, resources for use in your church, but it seems like you guys are, are writing for the movement as well. Can you tell us a bit about some of the resources that, that you guys at Calvary have developed for uh, replanting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like you said, you know, Calvary, our story is essentially we, uh, again, we've just seen the Lord revitalize this dying congregation. And as he began to grow our church, it became very clear that the Lord wasn't wanting us to just stop with our church, but rather to raise up other replanters 
and revitalizers to send out from here to help other declining churches. And so um, because of that, we began um, a couple of years ago, a, an internship and, and now a residency for replanters, for those who are uh, either exploring their call or, or, or wanting to be developed in their call to go replant congregations. And so um, what, what happened as a result is we put together and developed uh, if a curriculum that's really a 40, 40 week curriculum on biblical revitalization that essentially goes over the nuts and bolts of everything from understanding what is replanting, what is revitalization, how are those two things different, um, what, what is the cost that comes with being a replanter, all of these, these types of issues, uh, talking very, very practically about how do you lead change in a church that doesn't want to change, what do you do with children's ministry when you've got one kid in the church, and there's all kinds of practical uh, issues that we try to go over and so what we've developed now is a website where actually uh, folks listening to this podcast, anyone can get their hands on that material for free and use that. Um, I know, Bob, one of our dreams uh, with NAM and, and I know here at Calvary is to see more and more cohort groups formed around the country of individuals who just want to grow in this, who want to be equipped. And we're hoping that this material can serve as just one resource to help in that effort. Um, I wrote a, just a little book called Raising Up Replanters that came out last month that it's a quick read, but essentially it's an overview of how to begin a residency, a replanting residency in your church. Even if you're just a normative sized church, you're, you're a smaller church, you can do it. In fact, that's really my target audience. And in that book, it gives links and all kinds of uh, uh, uh resources to help with that effort. So leadership development, Bob, is the key, I really believe, mm -hmm. in this movement. I, I'm excited and encouraged by all the conversations that are being had about the need for replanting. But now we got to get serious about how are we going to actually do this? And we can't do it without raising up qualified, biblical, humble replanters. And so I think the local church has a huge role in that. Uh, a, cu a couple other resources uh, quickly. One is actually the one you and I are working on, Bob, on, called Am I a Replanter, yeah. which uh, hopefully will be a resource. I know that we're praying about that will help uh, guys discern, is this for me? Is Am I called to be a replanter? And, and maybe you could even speak for a moment on that one, because I think that's a resource folks will want to get their hands on. Yeah, I think what, what we're finding in this in this um, movement of replanting <laughs> is that there there are a lot of men of all ages and all backgrounds who are asking that question, uh, am I a replanter? You know, we've identified eight characteristics or eight qualities that are that are inherent in uh, replanters. We've written about those. Those are in Mark Clifton's book, Reclaiming Glory. But still, a guy can read that. And then one of the things that uh, is challenging for him is to really discern for himself, you know, am I called to do this? And, and uh, as you know, and I know both being replanters who've, who've been uh, uh, doing this for a while, if you're not called, man, you should probably mm -hmm. be doing anything else in the world that you can do because replanting is yeah. extremely challenging. Mm -hmm. um, so we are excited about that to come out. Uh, I think uh, we've got a summer date that we're hoping to, to get that mm -hmm. finalized by and, and uh, look for uh, for that. Now, in terms of resources that Calvary has written, uh, if somebody yeah. wants to locate the cohort material or the books yep. or anything, where should they go uh, to find that material? <laughs> 
Yeah, they uh, they should just go to non two sites. One is nonignorable.org, nonignorable.org, and that has that's a site with all of our resources uh, for free available to you. And then also, if you, if you were to go to churchreplanters.com, um, you'll find a link there as well under our cohort training uh, with Nam's cohort training that will will send you there as well. Bob, I do want to mention just briefly, just for those who are interested, uh, two other books that will be coming out. One is called Replant Roadmap, which will be a book that really walks through step by step. How do you as a congregation that's healthy help replant a dying congregation? And, And it'll be a little thicker book, but hopefully it'll be a sort of a guidebook to help churches who want to get in the game, want to come alongside dying churches in their community to help replant them. And then one other book that will go along with that is called God is not done with your church. Mm which will be a, a book hopefully that'll go side by side with replant roadmap um, as a, as a sponsor or sending churches building relationship with this declining congregation. Uh, the hope is that this will be a resource to help prepare that declining church for becoming a replant, if that makes sense, because there's really a marriage that happens between uh, a replanting church and the church being replanted. And so these two resources will hopefully work hand in hand to make a smooth and, and healthy marriage, if you will, in that transition. Yeah, that sounds super helpful. That goes along right along with the third priority is is helping churches or, or uh, seeing churches practice radical cooperation. And so Amen. we've got an Absolutely. opportunity for a strong church to partner with a struggling church. And then you've also given them some practical how-tos and some things to consider and, and how to relate to one another in that process. Mark, man, it's been awesome to talk about the, the uh, movement of replanting with you. And it's been good to hear about what God is doing in uh, Calvary, uh, in Denver and the Calvary family of churches. And we just want to remind you, if you're looking for resources for replanting, Mark has mentioned the Calvary site, nonignorable.org. And then also you can go to churchreplanters.com for all those resources that we mentioned. And uh, you'll be seeing uh, on both sites, I'm sure, information about the upcoming releases uh, for the resources that were mentioned today. Mark, awesome to see you. Uh, awesome Thanks, to brother. connect with you. And we're super excited about Calvary and we're super excited about their contributions to the replanting movement. So this has been uh, Bob Bickford and um, joined by Mark Halleck. We thank you guys for listening in to the Replant Podcast. Stay tuned for more great content on replanting. Thank you for listening to the Replant Podcast, a resource of the SEND Network of the North American Mission Board. For more information, visit churchreplanters.com.